Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. everybody well the reason that went bad and i apologize for that is that the web page crashed so i had no way to turn off emerson lake and palmer but here we are seth and sean watching the national championship game seth this is the first time i have watched the national championship game at least from the start i normally come in around mid around halftime if it's a good game and sometimes I don't watch it at all. But I was intrigued because I read a statistic, and it's proven to be true, truthful. I'm not sure you've, you've watched the game so far. That the Clemson Tigers like to throw the ball downfield. I saw that against Syracuse. Any time I've watched them this season, they have been able to do that. And the one spot where Alabama is weak is in their secondary. In fact, they were ranked 57th overall in balls that were thrown over 20 yards. And so far in this game, Clemson has been able to exploit that. Now, granted, they're up 14-13 with Bama driving on the one-yard line, so I have to assume Bama is going to take the lead here in some shape or form, whether a field goal or a touchdown. But last week when we predicted this game, we didn't give Clemson much of a shot, and it looks like, at least in the first quarter, first of all, there's a lot more scoring than I thought there would be, and Clemson's playing it, well, right now they're winning. I mean, hold on. Yeah, That's they're still winning start. because that was a false start. <laughs> so they're still winning. So welcome back. Happy New Year. Welcome back from Florida. Go. Well, thanks. And – I appreciate you setting up the show for 15 minutes. Um, luckily, because oh. we have a lot to talk about. I changed it. Don't worry. Oh. So, luckily, we still have to do some part two of our year in review. We'll talk a little college football. We have, obviously, the coaches, uh, the NFL openings after Black Monday. Um, well, I don't, I'll be honest. Clemson really hasn't looked that good. Uh, you know, they had the interception for a touchdown in the second play of the game. And Trevor Lawrence, other than his one, the 162-yard pass, has looked a little bit more flustered by Alabama's defense than I anticipated. Um, their defense hasn't stopped anybody. Their defense hasn't stopped anyone until right now when we have third and goal at the five. Um, it's, they're two phenomenal offenses, two good but not up to prior caliber defenses. Clemson has the better defensive line. They have four first-round picks, although Dexter Lawrence, because of, you know, it seems to be kind of a strange 
you know, something strange was found in, in, in the drug testing isn't playing in the game. Um, but this is the weakest Alabama defense we've had in a while. But their offense led by Tua, the three running backs, and they're really they're great wideouts. And we'll see how this plays out. But it's been fun so far, which is more than we could say for the uh, semifinal games. You know, it's interesting to, that you say that they're led by their wideouts because I think the one thing that Alabama does not get credit for is the, are the amount of wideouts that they do produce. I think while on the level, when they get to the NFL, they're very good. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, just to name three. I don't think while they're in college, they get – First of all, the offense isn't run for them. It's more of a running-based offense, Mark Ingram, and so forth. But I don't think the wide receivers, at least at the college level, get the, the, the credit that they are due. Well, I, I think, as you said, Saban, until the last two, last year when he's had a quarterback of this magnitude, the, the quarterbacks that they've had that they've won championships with, Greg McElroy got a, you know, got a coffee stay, pretty much got a cup of coffee in the NFL. Phillips, Philip Coker, Blake Sims, uh, these guys didn't make, you know, never made it. Uh, Jalen Hurts is too early to tell, um, but he, you know, he says something that he was benched, you know, after his junior year, you know, and he won a title with them. They've never had great quarterbacks. The teams have always been based on their defense which has been sensational, and their running backs, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, uh, Najon Harris now, um, you know, Trent Richardson. So, you know, similar is almost you look at Georgia Tech, who's had two of the best wideouts of the last 10 years, Calvin Johnson, and um, I guess that's not 10 years, that's probably 12 or 13 years ago, and Demarius Thomas. They're not known known for running attack. I mean, they've been in triple option under Paul Johnson the last 10 years, but they were never known as a passing team. Georgia is, you know, a little bit more with – sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second, but Alabama's just never been known for their wideouts. Right. Um, I think that's that's what I was going at. Yeah. But this year, you know, their wideouts have been sensational. And it's been the best part of their team has been their quarterback and their wideouts, um, which is a bit of a change. Okay, so we had Bloody Monday. But before we get to Bloody Monday, let's talk a little bit about the NFL from this past weekend. Cody Parkey blowing it at the end of the game yesterday. I, first of all, the NFL has changed that to a block. I don't think it matters. Uh, there was a stat on NF- NBC Sports that three years ago the – I think it was three years ago, it may have been four, the Bears released Robbie Gould. Since Robbie Gould has left, he has been amazing. I mean, to the tune of over 90% of his field goals. Since Robbie Gould has left, the Bear, or was dismissed, he was released, the Bears have not had a steady field goal kicker at all. And you and I have seen over the course of our time as fantasy owners what a steady field goal kicker we've generally had, Justin Tucker, or we have Adam Vinatieri does for a team. Yesterday was not Cody Parkey's fault. I blame more more of it on the defense of Chicago not being able. Well, Clemson just started them, stopped them now. Uh, I blame it more on the defense of Chicago not being able to make a stand in the fourth quarter at all. And the legend of Nick Foles continues. Um, I mean, I don't get it. 
he had a great year five years ago. He was awful pretty much for four years until the NFC title game. If you remember the games last year prior to the NFC title game, the two or three games in the regular season, the one playoff game against Atlanta, he was horrendous. And then what happens? They beat Minnesota. They beat New England. He's brilliant. They, you know, when he's playing, he's pretty inconsistent throughout the year. Playoff game, he's, you know, that wasn't great, but he was certainly clutch. Um, well, sounds very, it sounds very familiar to a guy from New York that played in two, two Super Bowls, one of both, but an average quarterback, and sometimes not even an average quarterback, and that being Eli. Yeah. Um, and now Chicago should have won that game. And the field goal was bad luck. When you get a block, when you get it tipped, and then it hits, hits the, the upright and then the crossbar, you're just not doink, doink. Doink, doink. And, um, you know, as a Giants fan, I was disappointed because, God knows, I never want to see Philly or Dallas succeed. That would just be blasphemy. Um, but Philly goes to New Orleans, and New Orleans, to be honest, has not been playing as well since they beat Philly about a month and a half ago by about 300. And Dallas has a very good chance in L.A. against a team, again, a Rams team that has struggled recently um, and cannot stop the run. And the one thing Dallas can do is between Elliott, who is very, very good, and Prescott, who is very tough, they're going to run the ball down Aaron Donald's throat. And... This is it for Wade Phillips. Yeah, to put, to put some numbers behind it, ladies and gentlemen, the Rams, the number two seed, 13, I think they're 13 and three Rams, have given up an average of 5.1 yards per rush this year. That's insane. 5.1 yards, that, that's so far above the league average. And most of it comes in garbage time because the Rams at the beginning of the year were running all over everybody. But let's see if Todd Gurley is finally healthy. Let's see if LaMarcus Joyner comes back as a safety. They're both scheduled to play, but whether they're healthy or not, look, that has a lot to do with it. I mean, Todd Gurley is, is incredibly uh, important to this, to this L.A. It's still hard for me to say L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams offense. And you're right, Aaron Donald and Wade Phillips are really being put on the spot here. Do you, okay, so pick the game. You, it is the one thing that the Rams do not do well is stop the run. And you know what Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are going to try and do is slow the game down and run the ball. Does Dallas's defense have enough? And, yes, Dallas's defense has played – much better. In fact, they played amazingly good football this past weekend against Seattle. Do they have enough to stop the Rams? It's become too too chic of a pick. Um, you know, everyone I'm seeing is like actually you. picking Dallas now because Dallas has looked, to be honest, has looked better than the Rams the last month and a half. But I'm going to assume that with two weeks to prepare, that you know, McVay. Is going to be able to come, you know, it's going to kind of restore Jared Goff's confidence because he has not looked good the last couple of weeks. And Dallas, and if they look, the problem Dallas has is if they go down 14, if they go down early, this is not a team built to, to catch up. 
for the most part. This is not a team that's going to recover. That's going to come back from double digits against a Rams team. They're not going to be able to throw the ball on the Rams. Um, I think the Rams actually win this game pretty easily. Uh, I, you know, I don't think it, I would say something like you know something along the lines of twenty-seven, sixteen, something along those lines. They go up early, and Dallas doesn't abandon the run because they can't, but they're just not a team built to catch up. Agreed, and, and we saw that this weekend again for another team that could not catch up, and that was the Baltimore team. Right, Baltimore was not look. Baltimore is built very similar, although not entirely the same as the Cowboys. They are built to run the ball, and Gus Bradley scored a lot of points this week with those that are looking for either new coaches or a, he'll definitely get a raise if he's staying. In the fact that he shut down that Baltimore Ravens offense to the tune, I believe, of 52 yards at least in the first half. Lamar Jackson, once again, proving that, look, there was one pass that I saw that I thought, man, if he can throw that every time with that precision, that's an NFL quarterback. But he was never able to duplicate it on, for the rest of the game. So my question is, Lamar Jackson, I, I think quarterbacking is very similar to pitching in baseball. It's not about the arm strength, and it's not about the one pass. It's repetition. It's being able to throw the same pass over and over again, whether it be the out or the up, uh, the down and up or the, the post or the streak with the same repetition of the arm angle so he is able to have the same position precision on the throw. And I just didn't see that yesterday. Seth, I'm not sure if you watched the game, but if he doesn't improve that this this. I guess winter off season is a better word. Off season, Baltimore's not going anywhere. I mean, that's the he's reached the the ceiling. I hope that he can do that. But that was the knock when he was coming out of college. By the way, Clemson just scored twenty to sixteen. That was the knock when he came out of Louisville. I'm not sure it's really improved. Well, the problem also is he has one of the worst sets of wideouts in the NFL. The team has been – it's a weird team. Um, I, their, their running backs well, – their running game has been very good. But, I mean, I'm from New Jersey. I follow college football pretty hard. I had never heard of Gus Edwards from Rutgers. I, I assume you hadn't either. Other than he was you picked know, up I, in our free agency. Great. I, I look at you know, a team where you have a new GM – you know, Ozzie Newsom is retiring after 86 years. Eric DaCosta coming in. John Harbaugh, who the heck knows if he's going to keep his job or not? Well, or well, well wait, wait, wait. There are reports out that he is in the middle of uh, negotiating an extension. So reports from NBC Sports and from Fox Sports. So not to say that those are 100% reliable, but he's not getting fired. But Scotty already said he's not getting fired. So if, if the reports are that he's negotiating new terms, I got to think he's probably going to be there for a while. The other thing is Gus Edwards never would have seen the, seen the field had Alex Collins got, not gotten hurt. So remember, they still have Alex Collins, Collins in the background. But Collins is not a top, top-tier running back either. The, 
you you look at that team, they've never had great offenses. They've always been teams built on defense. Jackson, and we don't know, to be perfectly honest, how Harbaugh is going to coach this team. Harbaugh has never coached a team with a guy like Omar Jackson before. And the transition, your offense midway through the year, it's not like you're going from a Joe Flacco to a Matthew Stafford, meaning big, deep arm to big, deep arm. It's a complete transition of the offense. And I'm not sure if that's something you can do in the middle. You know, put, you know and it, it worked. But I think with, with, with a year, I, I would give him another year. I would give him a year before I would write him off. Plus, the guy went 6-1. and one. Now, look, a lot of quarterbacks well, went, hold you know, on Tim went 9 hold, and 3. Hold on. Hold on. When you're, when you're saying he went 6-1, and one, remember, the same way that it's hard enough to change the way that you play, in the NFL in the midseason, the corollary also is it's the hard, hard enough to defend, right? Because yes. you have to, you're not preparing for this type of offense either throughout the entire year. So I think it's a little bit of A and a little bit of B. Remember when the Wildcat first came out, which was against New England, nobody was able to stop it. And then a year later, everybody was able to stop some component of it, the general Wildcat. So now you have to throw a little Matt Nagy and a little Sean McVay. So I think as much as you say he was 6-1 and one and that you, you can't write him. I'm not writing Lamar Jackson off. What I'm saying is if he can't throw any better than he did yesterday, and I mean just throw, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback for much longer. So yeah, no, I understand that. It, but it I, just I, didn't my work feeling yesterday. is I prefer to give him okay, a year. So, now, so that's now a team that, that is obviously has a lot of work to do in the postseason. Uh, sorry, the postseason, the offseason. My apologies for that. And then you have Kansas City. So Kansas City faces um, the Colts, Indeed. who are perhaps <laughs> the most dominating team of the weekend, the 60s. Who would have thunk? Frank Reich. Domin- uh, Andrew Locke is as back as he's been. And that defense played tremendously. Yeah. Who knew Darius Leonard would be the best linebacker? You know, potentially the best linebacker in Are football. Still there? Rookie year. I, I mean, geez. I'm going to. Yeah, no, I'm here. Lost, no, Seth's back. Seth, are you back? Yeah. I wasn't gone. Um, yeah. It okay. It doesn't look like Seth's here. Still. So, anyway, so Indianapolis played extraordinarily well. And here we are with Frank Reich and perhaps Coach of the Year, or at least definitely in the discussion, if not winning that, winning that award. And now Indianapolis goes to Kansas City. And that's a hard matchup. You have, first of all, you not only have to go to the number one seed. It looks like Seth is back. You not only have to go to the number one seed, but you have to face a Kansas City team that, aside from Kareem Hunt this year, the loss of Kareem Hunt, really nothing went wrong for this team all year. In fact, Patrick Mahomes looks like the second coming. So, Seth, I was talking more about Indianapolis going to Kansas City. I, I love what Frank Reich did. I think Andrew Luck is definitely back to where he was probably pre-surgeries but I don't give him much of a shot in Arrowhead this weekend. I give him a shot. Um, I don't favor them. But weirder things have happened. I mean, this team is one ten 10 out of 11. Um, 
But I agree, Kansas City has been the best team in football for the most part this year, and I think it would be I would be hard pressed to pick Indy to win on the road. But I think they give them. And then I we think have. They give them a Sorry, go ahead. I think they give them a decent run, though. I don't think it's a blowout. Okay, I I actually do think it's a blowout. I I think you're looking at uh, 35 to 21 or 35 to 17. I mean, I think it's a double-digit win. Is Alabama going for it on fourth and one on their own 30? Oh, well, they got it. And they're getting it, and they're getting it. So, But the answer to that question was yes. So Yes. The the fourth the fourth and most the fourth and most interesting game of the weekend, at least to me. Look, many people have different opinions, but San Diego going to New England, which I think is an amazing game. I think all in all, San Diego played the best defense of the week, and granted, their offense didn't play great, but they also faced the best defense in the league. But Gus Bradley again, great. Great job. I look forward to seeing what he does against New England. The best part about this is, at least for a non-New England fan, is you're always saying, all right, well, New England's got Gronk, so it really doesn't matter. He's healthy. So it doesn't matter if they can stop the running backs. It doesn't make a difference if they can stop Julian Edelman. It doesn't make a difference if they can stop Chris Hogan. You still got Gronk, and Gronk is un. You, you can't match up against Gronk. Well, there are really two safeties in the NFL, maybe three when Eric Berry is healthy, that can match up against Gronk. Eric Berry being one. Luckily, the Jets have another, which is Jamal Adams. And the third one is Derwin James. And yeah. this, is going to, this is going to be an amazing matchup to me. I, I think this is going to be the best game of the week. I'm still picking New England to win 23-20. I'm actually picking San Diego to win this game. God bless you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, Yeah, Derwin James, a rookie from Florida State. It's also Gronk has, you know, Gronk has not been Gronk. And I think we've said him more in the last, that's going to be picked off. Um, And it is by two terrible passes by Tua so far in the first half. Um, Dude, that's not only picked off, that's down to the 50. Yeah, 50 yard return. I kind of, you know, for number one, I took San Diego to go to win the Super Bowl this year anyway. So I'm kind of sticking with that. If Mel, if this team is healthy, you know, I look at New England. It does. It doesn't feel like the New England teams of old. And of course, we've said this. You know, sometimes we said it with hope more than anything else. But I, I look at this team. San Diego is just simply more talented. They don't. This and this is this is the destiny game for Philip Rivers. This is it. He's probably never going to have a better team than this. If they win this, they go to Kansas City to beat a team to play a team they beat in Kansas City already this year without their top running back and top wideout. If Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa can continuously get some pressure on Brady, an excellent. It's a really good game. I agree. It is by far the best matchup of the, of the weekend. I was kind of hoping it would be, the, since I'm home with two kids, I'm hoping, I was hoping it was going to be the 8 o'clock Saturday night game because, I, well, let's be honest, I have no life at this point. But, you know, considering it's not, 1 o'clock in a day it's supposed to snow isn't terrible either. Um, 
I'm going to say San Diego, and this is a true flip of the coin game. I really hope it's as good. I really hope it's as good as I think it should be. Um, I'll take San Diego 26-24, and I'll make it in an okay. ironic twist on Michael Badgley hitting a hitting the 50-yard field goal to win it. Because we all know how well awesome. San Diego kickers have kicked it over the years. Love it, but let's understand: Tom Brady is not the Tom Brady that he normally is when he gets pressure. The, forever. This has been the consistent mantra. The Giants owned it. Baltimore has always owned it. When you can hit Tom Brady, as you can any other quarterback, you throw him off his rhythm. Well, there are no two better defensive ends left in the playoffs, or maybe in the game, than Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. So I am very much looking forward to this. Okay, so let's let's take let's stop for a second. If I told you yesterday that with 645 left in the second in the first half that Clemson was beating Alabama 21-16 what would you have said to me because I would have said you were nuts I would have said this is going to be a fun fun game (laughs) you wouldn't you wouldn't have been surprised by that surprised a little bit not shocked this is not a great Alabama defense what I'm shocked about the two are the two interceptions by Tua, which were just, I don't know if one was a blown, if the second was a blown coverage, because I have the game on mute, uh, mute as I, mute as I watch. But the second one, both, both interceptions, there's been no one. It hasn't even been close. So I don't really know other than that. Um, but Clemson, look, Eddie Ed is, is a Heisman, Heisman, Heisman value back. They have one defensive touchdown. They have one big defensive stand. I, I didn't expect Alabama to win this by 20. I thought Alabama would win this by about six. Like every Alabama-Clemson game, no, not everyone, but the last they've played three in the last four years. Two of them have been great games. The last one last week, last year stunk. But okay, so, oh, well, and there you go. All right, so let me uh, let me say one more thing, and then we'll get back to the bloody Monday. Would true or false? Hunter Renfro will be a New England Patriot next year. Because he just fits that mold, doesn't he? Like, he's just – it just makes all the sense in the world. He's either going to be a Miami Dolphin or a New England Patriot. I don't don't see the Miami Dolphin part, but, yeah, he he does fit that. That's where Wes Welker started, so that's where I was going with that. Or even even a Denver Bronco. I mean, those three teams just seem to accumulate small wideouts that – are possession receivers. And maybe I'm just thinking of Wes Walker in all three uniforms. But anyway, so the fact of the matter is, okay, so Bloody Monday, one of the coaches that, one of the coaching jobs was filled today, Matt Rule, the offensive coordinator for the Titans, the former offensive coordinator, although no, he did not call plays. Matt LaFleur, excuse me, not Matt Rule. Sorry, Matt Rule is the uh, defensive coordinator. Oh, he's you know, a Matt defensive coordinator? Is the offensive coordinator for the Titans. Matt Rule is the head coach at Temple. Oh, sorry. Messed up that one. Oh, Matt Rule, the, Temple filled their, their spot? No, he, excuse me, at Baylor. He was at Temple, went to Baylor. That's, right. He's at Baylor. Okay, now. fair enough. All right. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. So Matt LaFleur is the new – this is why I said to, to rein me in. Matt LaFleur is now the new coach of Green Bay, former uh, – Offensive coordinator, as I said, of the Titans, and before that, offensive coordinator, but did not play call for the L.A. Rams. 
So now we have, I believe it's seven left. It seems like Bruce Arians will be named the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Clemson really? just scored, so they're up 27. Are you saying really to the score or really to Bruce Arians? No, Bruce Arians. I, I've been on a plane all day. I haven't seen anything. So according to Jay Glazer of Fox Sports, Bruce Arians was, in, in an interesting twist, was given a physical today to become coach of the <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, he, the, the last couple of years he's had prostate cancer. He's had, he's had heart problems. So they gave him, a, they gave him a, a, a physical. And you know what? If you have a high-stress high job, you might want to do that. And unlike Alabama, Clemson does kick the ball through the field, through the goalposts, 28-16. This is a high-scoring game. Just a really high-scoring game. Anyway, so Bruce Arians, the latest co- coach to try and fix Jameis Winston. And as far as I'm concerned, who better? I don't see anybody else that could you could bring in if you're bringing tw- if you're keeping Jameis Winston at twenty million dollars. Why not bring in a coach at five? That's been the quarterback whisperer with Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer and Ben Roethlisberger. Hopefully, for his sake, he's able to bring in Byron Leftwich as well. Well, I think that'll depend on whether Leftwich gets any taste of the head coaching job in in, in Arizona. Um, it's an excellent choice because even if it doesn't work with Winston, Tampa Bay will be picking, will be bringing in a quarterback that Arians can mold in the following year, which is a great year for quarterbacks uh, in the draft. So this gives, if Winston can't do it with an offensive mind like Dirk Cutter and can't do it with a quarterback guru like Bruce Arians, then he's dug his own, you know, he can't say he didn't have opportunities. He can't say he didn't have chances. And didn't, you know, there's offense, there is talent on that offensive, that offensive side. You have a top 10 wide out in Mike Evans. You have a de- couple decent, you know, possession guys in Humphreys and Godwin. Um, you know, they could use a, they could use a stud running back, but you know, to me, if you can get Bruce Arians, if I'm any of these teams, I mean, what would you do as a Jets fan to get Bruce, Bruce Arians to, to be coaching uh, Sam Darnold? I would assume exactly. that would be, you'd be ecstatic with that thought. I would. But I think the Jets are looking at – well, I was going to move on to the Jets next. I think the Jets only have two guys in mind. I think they have Mike McCarthy and they have Cliff and Cliff Klingsbury. And that's it. Or maybe Adam Gates, who I hope does not come. But those are the only three guys. I know they've interviewed – Eric Bieniemy. I know they interviewed Jim Caldwell. I don't think any of those guys are coming. I think it's one of those three guys. It, if I had my druthers, I'd get McCarthy and have Klingsbury as my as my um, oh, offensive thanks. coordinator. Yeah, I don't think that would happen because I don't think Klingsbury would actually take a job where he doesn't call the plays. So now, I mean, the question is, we no one really knows what he's doing in regards to USC whether he still, you know, he was brought in by Clay Helton to be their co- their offensive coordinator, not realizing, I don't think, that he was going to have head coaching opportunities. Um, I, I I don't know how inspired anyone's going to be by the McCarthy. I mean, are you happy with the McCarthy hiring, if that's who they choose? I don't think I, I don't. No. There's no one I'm out not. there. I'm particularly excited. I wouldn't be either. 
Um, I'm also don't, I also have a little bit of a problem with a guy who couldn't hit 500 with Cliff, you know, at in you know, in the college game, pretty much becoming a bypassing offensive coordinatorship and going straight to being a head coach in the pros. Now, yeah, he was in Texas Tech, but Mike Leach won at Texas Tech. You know, had them in number one in the country at one point. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, I don't think had them better than seven and five in a year. He got fired from from Texas Tech and gets a head coaching job at the Jets. I get the off. I get we all want Sean McVay or Sean McVay too, I should say, but I don't see it. He's not ready. Well, I'll be honest. I think there part are, of you know, you know, you know well, who I would think about. Mc... Go ahead. Sorry. Yep. No, the no, thing no, about McCarthy. No. The thing about McCarthy is that it's been stagnant, right? If he can't win with Aaron Rodgers, and reports are that. The, the West Coast offense was the base West Coast offense, and, every, and everybody knew it. So there was no Matt Nagy, Nagy with his, with his, or Doug Peterson with his Philly special or innovation, and it just got old. So, and, and again, I'm reading this. I believe this is from Mike Florio who reported it. But the fact of the matter is I don't want stagnant stuff. Yes, I want somebody that can build Sam Darnold. If you couldn't win with – I mean, it goes back to the same thing. The Jets don't have the talent to win right now. So let's assume they get a Le'Veon Bell, and they get Le'Veon Bell to go with Sam Darnold, and they get a coach that can really bring out the best in Sam Darnold. Is that really all that much better than what Green Bay had the last four or five years? No. So if you couldn't get that out of Green Bay, what are you going to do in New York? It's an uninspiring hire. It's a name hire, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right hire. That's where I would go with that. And, look, you're going to get a Mike McCarthy. You're going to get an interesting personality. But, and it's a guy I've wanted for a while. But after thinking more and more about this, look, you take much the same way as you take your chance on the biggest boomer, the biggest bust, right? When you come to a quarterback, you come to the draft. That's what, the, that's what coaching has now become, boom and bust. Your average coach is Mike McCarthy. Your boom bust guy is Cliff Lingsbury. Yeah, if I'm the Jets, I don't want either of those. I mean, to me. So what do you want? I want Chris Richard. That's so the Jets have – hold on. The Jets have not hired an offensive coach since Rich Kotite. We know who that was. Yep. Which is over 20 years ago. I Each get of that. these coaches was defensive. If you're going to get Chris Richard, and I'm not saying that's a wrong move, damn well get me a good offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, not, oh, not just a I, good I, one. I mean – it's got to be a package deal. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, and I don't disagree. Um, but I look, I look through, these, through these coaching candidates, and to me, the, look, Richard is 39, so he's young. He did play a little bit. He's coached, some, he's coached the Legion of Boom. He's coached a really good de- Dallas defense. I get it. You you need to bring in you need to bring in someone like a Kingsbury as your OC. I get that. I just think he's the best candidate out there. 
I mean, I look at Gase, and you're not thrilled with it, and I get it, because the only time, Gase, you know, Gase was great with Peyton Manning, okay? Um, McCarthy is stagnant. Jim Caldwell is stagnant. I don't really get the Matt Rule thing. Um, I, you I mean Matt LaFleur? No, I mean Matt Rule, who the Jets oh. interviewed yesterday from Baylor. I, I, I don't understand yeah. it. You're not getting Harbaugh. There's no, you know, Eric Bieniemy. I'm a, always a little confused by by an offensive coordinator who becomes a head coach who's never called plays before. I just find it strange. Right. So that's so. Let's go through those. You got Eric Bieniemy in that role. You got Zach Taylor in that role. You got Shane Waldron in that role. Zach Taylor is the Rams' quarterback coach. Shane Waldron is the Rams' passing game coordinator. Bill Lazor. The Bengals' offensive coordinator has called plays. Would you as, take the Bengals? But would you take but, the hold Bengals on. off? No, I'm, no, I'm just naming prospects here. But Todd Monken, the Bucks' offensive coordinator, who worked who worked with both Winston and Fitzpatrick to have the best passing year in all of Bucks history, which isn't really saying much, didn't call plays. Dirk Cotter called the plays. So no, but they're all, he's a little uh, bit more so, interesting. Because he also Why? was a successful college head, he was a successful college head coach. He, okay. So, and uh, there, so, uh, but that's also I. I want a guy who that's uh, he makes sense to me. I'm not over, but the I guess the problem I see is I look at these coaches out there. There is nobody. There is no one really out there. That's really that exciting. You know, All right, so let's, let's make some predictions here. We only have uh, 20 minutes left. Okay, let's go to the Broncos. Broncos had Vance Joseph. The interviews have been Fangio, Flores, Munchak, Pagano, Zach Taylor. Could be somebody else, but do you see any? I'm not thrilled with any of those guys, but... What do you think? Well, I think Denver is going to try and go quarterback. Try and draft quarterback. In the draft. In the draft. Okay. I don't know what pick they have. I think they're eight or nine. I, I could be wrong. But I think they're, they're after the Giants. I don't think Taylor's ready. Flores is a – none of those guys do it for me. I think Denver goes offense. Because our defense is solid. Okay. They need offense. They also need a, a quarterback. So I think you've got to bring in an offensive guy. The only offensive guy you mentioned was Taylor. And they don't have a quarterback to bring in. And Mike Munchak. Mun, uh, Munchak's kind of an uninspired, again, an, an uninspired hiring. When you get fired, well, no, I think I'm Larky. Munchak... I don't know, but I know John Elway can't miss this one. But it's also okay. my question so is Gary Kubiak, is Kubiak, they have to accept Kubiak as their offensive coordinator, correct? Because he's not allowed to interview elsewhere. No, no, no. no. Kubiak's under contract but he, but, and has refused, but he will not be the offensive coordinator. So he's not allowed to interview elsewhere, or he is allowed? Correct. He is not. Yeah, 
but so what is he doing? I Why think he's assistant. To, he does, he's he doesn't want to do it because of his health concerns. Right. I'll be honest. I don't. There's. I don't see. I don't know. I guess uh, I'm trying to think of who, who would be. Because I think they have to go offense. They're the enemy. They're not going to go the enemy. Munchak is uninspiring, and they don't have a quarterback for Taylor. But Taylor may make the most may make sense if they bring if they can draft Haskins, or they can bring in a quarterback. They have their defense in pretty good position. I there's no I don't know. I'll be honest. There's no one out there I find that intriguing for that 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 good of a fit for that spot. Okay, so let's move on. By the way, Gary Kubiak remains under contract with the Broncos as a senior personnel advisor. He is not on the field at all. Who's your prediction on Denver? I think it's Chuck Pagano. Oh, he interviewed. Oh, I I, I forgot you had said he had interviewed there. Yeah, actually, I think it's Chuck Pagano. Because he's an offensive guy. He's been successful. And... It's a safe. It's a no, solid. Pagano's a, def- a defensive guy. He was the defensive coordinator of the Brown of the Ravens. Pagano. Oh, then Chuck he went Pagano, to the Colts. I be- then he went to the Colts. My yes. Okay, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they go offense. I just don't know who that offensive guy is. Okay. Next we have is the Bengals who. Fire, who finally got rid of or mutually accepted the role of – hold on one second. Let me get that. Uh, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. So we have Eric Bieniemy, Hugh Jackson, Vance Joseph, Bill Lazor, Todd Monken, Darren Simmons, who is the special teams coordinator of the Bengals. Seems like Mike Brown liked uh, interviewing some of his old staff. Zach Taylor and Shane Waldron here. And look, they may interview Josh McDaniel after this, after this is all said and done. They, these are not, it's not limited to this group of people, but I don't think right. Josh McDaniel goes to Cincinnati of any place. No. So I think that no. this is either Vance Joseph or, or Eric Bianami right here. You don't think it's going to be here? No, I don't think, I don't think it'll be here. I think it's, I think it's Eric Bianami. Or it's or it's Vance Joseph. If he wants to go offense, I, it's the enemy. If he wants to go defense, it's Vance Joseph. I actually half agree. I think it'll be huge action if they go offense. I think it'll be Vance Joseph if they go defense. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati wants someone who can. You know the thing about Cincinnati is they've always been considered a second tier organization, and they pretty much want someone who knows what they're getting into. And to me. I think I you know I think it'll be probably I think it'll be it'll be Joseph. He did well there. He's well respected there. Hugh, there's always. I think what happened in Cleveland hurts Hugh a lot more than what happened in, in Denver hurts Joseph. I agree. Just because Marvin, just because Marvin wants him, you know, Marvin was you know was there for 16 years. He didn't win a playoff game. He's beloved there, but he doesn't have a say in this. Okay, Cleveland Browns, Jim Caldwell, Don Campbell, Matt Eberflus, who is the Colts defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, Freddie Kitchens, Kevin Stefanski. I can't believe Kevin Stefanski is getting any 
play, being the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, and Greg <laughs> Williams, the Browns' interim head coach? I think they go Brian Flores. I think they go defense, and I think they keep Freddie Kinchin as their offensive coordinator. So you don't give Kinchin any any play as the actual coach? No. no I, I don't think so. Okay, and I agree with you that they do go defense. I just think it's Matt Eberflus, the Colts' defensive coordinator. I don't think Flores would take the job. That's the difference. Why wouldn't Flores I take just the don't, job? Because it's still the Browns. I get the fact. So there's two things going on here. First of all, Flores has never been a defensive coordinator, right? He's been, I think, uh, his linebacker's coach, right? He's got Freddie Kitchen looking over his shoulder as a guy that's interviewed for the job. And this is why I'm not even sure it would be any coordinator because I think you really need a guy that is a CEO in this type of organization, not necessarily another coordinator, which leads me to back to Jim Caldwell, but another uninspired coach, but a coach that is a CEO, right? He's done the job. Okay. Let's move on to Arizona. So Arizona has, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just, you just said that, you wanted someone who's a CEO, but you think they're going with the defensive line and men of the defensive line. Yeah, I thought about it for a second. Let, let's take Jim Caldwell, not Matt Ekobos. Okay. Jim, Jim Caldwell for, for the win. Okay. Uh, first, let's go to the Buccaneers. We know it's, it's Bruce Aarons. Moving on, the Cardinals interviewed Jim Caldwell, Dan Campbell, Adam Gase, and Zach Taylor. Now, Let's also be aware, and I know that this is some, an underlying theme here, the African-American coaching population has decreased by two, right? Steve Wilkes has, has, has been fired. Marvin Lewis has been whatever Marvin Lewis was, either fired, fired or quit three. and quit, right, three. So in my opinion, there has to be one or two African-Americans that are going to be hired. I just don't see it any other way. And you have Vance Joseph as one. I have Jim Caldwell as another. So now we're into Arizona. Arizona has hired many African-Americans in their coaching staff. We're looking at they've interviewed Caldwell, Campbell, Gay, Zach Taylor, and perhaps Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is loved in Phoenix. I'm going to say that it's Todd Bowles here in in the Cardinals. I actually think that's a very safe choice. Um, The problem it leaves you is my guess is left, which doesn't stay. Which means you got to bring in someone. You got to bring in someone to to deal with to to coach Rosen. True. And. That team has no line. I mean, that's, Fitzgerald is phenomenal, but he may retire. They need to go off. I think they're going to go bowls, but I think they need to go offense. I just don't know who's there. So, and Adam Gase or Zach Taylor? Adam Gase actually makes sense to me. 
the question is, if you're Adam Gase, do you want that job? I don't because, think so. Because to me, Gase will get one more shot as a coach. Agreed. People Agreed. think he got kind of a raw deal in Miami. I was talking with a friend of mine down when I was down in Florida. Um, you know, Bowles didn't get a raw deal in New York. He had four nope. seasons. His quarterbacks were held. You know, they weren't great. They had some, their defense wasn't great. Gase will get a second. I don't know if Bowles gets a second chance elsewhere. I think Gase does. I don't think he gets a third chance if he fails. And I don't think he can succeed in Arizona. Just a gut. Okay. So who are you picking here? Zach Taylor, perhaps? No, I think it's going to be Bowles. But I don't okay. think it's going to be the right choice. Okay. Now we're on to the Dolphins. The Dolphins have interviewed. And remember, we still have Vic Faggio, too. So sure. Dennis Allen, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Flores, Chris Richard. I think this could be a, a, a Chris Richards spot. Um, I really don't think the Dolphins are a, good, are a good spot to be in. Like you said, I think Adam Gase got a raw deal. It seems like they're only interviewing defensive guys. Well, they got the enemy. They got Allen, the enemy, Flores, Richard. You know, they're. I think Faggio goes here. Hold on a second. Sorry, baby feeding time. Um, you think they're going Faggio? Yes. I'm surprised they didn't know. Hmm. I actually think that makes sense. I think they go defense. Um, I don't think I don't think Stephen Ross goes with a sixty-year-old coach. I think he goes with Chris. I think he goes with Richard. I think he wants to, you know, he with Gase he wanted a young offensive guy. Here I think he goes with the young defensive guy. I just think that's his personality. Um, since he, since he can't get a hardball, since he can't get a hardball, and you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much longer hardball. Yeah, you know, at some point Harbaugh is going to start sniffing around again, I assume, but it's not going to be here. And it's not a great it's not a great position. Miami has very little offensive talent. And Tanny Hills in his I believe final year um, of his contract. Their running backs are Kenyon Drake and Gore. Their wideouts are kind of a bunch of it's all mediocrity on the offensive end. So you know, it's not a great job. But it's living in Miami, which is kind of great. And it's, it's a team that if you can build up, you can become a legend pretty quick. I, just, I think it'll go to I, – I, like, I think Ross is one of those guys who wants the next big thing. And it's just not a 60-year-old defensive coordinator. There's no offensive stud out there. So I, I, I guess they're going to go Richard. But – it's a, he fits the profile the best. I just I don't know. It's 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 a tough. These are as I said, these aren't great jobs, and these aren't really awesome candidates out there. Well, okay. So you, you never told me who you think the Jets are going to pick. You told me who the, you think they should pick. Which excuse me, which I is think Chris Richard. McCarthy. I think they're going to okay. take McCarthy. That's fair. That, that's one hundred percent fair. And your boy du- Dwayne Haskins. Uh, decided today to forego 
his last two years of eligibility. So coming up next, hopefully, Giants quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. It is what he it is. He won't get there. He won't get there, dude. You're nope. going to have to trade up. And the Giants don't trade up, and period. Giants don't trade. Giants just don't trade. Okay, so we got eight minutes left. Um, so tell me something that surprised you in 2018 in the sports world, besides the fact that you had a daughter. That somehow I'm not sure how that, looked, I'm not sure how that relates to the sports world. Something it that doesn't. Surprised that's what I said. Do you know I missed a, I definitely missed a touchdown because Clemson goes into halftime up 31 to 16. All right. Yep. So, so forget the question. Let me give you another one. If I, so we said this yet, I said this before, if I had told you X and Y yesterday, would you be surprised? Would you have been surprised by 47 points in the first half? Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of, of points. That is not a that is not a happy looking Nick Saban. Well, Nick Saban generally doesn't look happy, so I mean that's just more morose in the fact that he's down by fifteen points. What? How many points do you think will be scored in the second half? Total? I mean, this is probably somewhere around thirty-five, around thirty. So, I mean, it's not like Alabama has is an offense. They were getting blown out by Georgia after the first half as well. So, it's certainly not over right. by any stretch. But No, agree. Told, agree. When, I think – I don't think people are surprised Clemson's winning. I think they'd be shocked they're winning by 15. I think they'd be shocked how they're winning. Do you know in all those coaching opportunities and – we'll, and then we'll do our last five minutes. We didn't mention Josh McDaniel once. I think he's waiting for Belichick. Okay. So you don't think he's going anywhere? No. What job, other than Green Bay, what job is out oh, there? Oh, I think Cleveland. Cleveland. I like the Cleveland job. Look, I hope the Jets are in the position that Cleveland is in now in one year. Cleveland has playmakers on offense. They have a good line. They have a good def- – I, I never thought I'd be able to say this. But the, the all they were missing really was a quarterback, and now they got him. Do you not think that Cleveland's going to make the playoffs next year? I do. I think they're going to challenge the Steelers sure. for, the, for the division. Honestly, not sure. Because every year there's a team – that goes on the hot streak, and sure. everyone, or in, either they make the playoffs or they just miss, and they're the hot team the following year, and they fall flat on their ass. Yeah, that's going to be the Ravens, my friend. I'm telling you. That's going to be the Ravens. That's not going to be the Browns. But we can discuss that next, next year in the preseason. Okay, we have five minutes left. Seth, would you like to go first? Um, sure. I'm trying to think what I want to talk about. But – uh, man, I don't really have too much for the. Oh yeah, a little surprised to see Tom Thibodeau fired this week. Not saying it wasn't surprise. It was a, not saying it wasn't inevitable, because when you when you pretty much 
you tie yourself to Jimmy Butler, to a guy who really didn't want to be there in Jimmy Butler, you know, you haven't been able to make the, you haven't been able to get Andrew Wiggins to become worthy of the first pick in the draft. You have a stud in Carl Anthony Towns. You kind of looks like you just backed the wrong horse in, in Butler, who is now causing some havoc in Philly. And it makes you, I wonder, you know, again, it kind of goes back to so few of these coaches should be in the GM spot as well. Most of them can't do it with any modicum of success. And I wonder if he's going to have to take a step back. Now, he's obviously a very good coach. He's a successful coach. He will have a job in the next year or two. He'll have a job next year. I wonder if he's going to have to be an assistant for a year or two. Which for a guy who is a borderline coach of the year a couple of years ago and took Minnesota to their first playoff in 15 years last year, that's a hard. That's going to be a hard pill to swallow. So, you know, and, and I'm curious to see how Minnesota. I'm curious to see how Minnesota, pretty much the Cincinnati Bengals of the NBA, other than the Sacramento. I'm curious to see how they move forward with this, because there is no excuse now for Carl Anthony Towns. There's absolutely no excuse for Andrew Wiggins. It just doesn't seem. You know, the fear is he just doesn't really care. And you can't make someone give Agreed. a damn, no matter what you try. Agreed. Uh, two things very quickly. Number one, in the fact, check out uh, our Facebook posting. Jay Billis wrote a great article about a woman's high school collegiate basketball, uh, sorry, collegiate high school basketball player that has been declared ineligible because USA Basketball sent them an inadvertent check, which she never cashed. Yeah, yeah. Total power play. Total power play by this one guy down in Alabama. So Alabama's getting steamrolled on TV, and they should be steamrolled in general. Number two, and lastly, um, I had a good friend pass away this past week, uh, Doug Knight, uh, in the pretty much the mayor, the unofficial mayor of York, Pennsylvania, my friend, uh, brother of Kappa Kappa Psi, all around amazing guy. I know Seth uses the term he was a good – He's a good guy. Uh, I, I love when he does this because I really don't believe that Seth thinks anybody is not a good guy. Doug was the best of the best. He really was. He did everything for everybody and never asked for anything in return. Uh, DK was the connector of all connectors, and he will be absolutely missed by his Syracuse faithful, by the city of York. He was eulogized in many York papers, and also on the TV. That's how much of a person he was in that community. Make York great? Well, DK, you made York great for everybody. And uh, we will miss you greatly. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio. And we'll check in next week with the results of our head coaching possibilities. Have a good week, everybody. See you.